From Capital Public Radio in Sacramento, this is Insight. I'm Beth Ruiak. Michael Bloomberg has qualified for his first presidential debate, which is tomorrow night in Las Vegas. That's just ahead of the Nevada caucuses on Saturday. The Democratic race for the nomination is changing, though Bernie Sanders is still leading the way. Ken Rudin, the political junkie, is joining us from the Washington, D.C. area. Hello, Ken. Good morning, Beth. So as this week begins, there's a lot to say about the bees, Bernie, Buttigieg, Biden and Bloomberg. So let's start, Ken, with this news about the Mike Bloomberg campaign and qualifying for the debate. That could change everything. Well, it could. But uh, so I'm going to but I'm going to just talk about what, what it means for Mike Bloomberg, because he has zoomed up in the polls, in national polls, even though Bernie Sanders seems to lead in every poll, but there's a new Marist NPR PBS poll shows Michael Bloomberg in second place to Bernie Sanders. Sanders was 31 percent, Bloomberg with 19 percent. And the fact is, not only is he uh, spending a fortune, maybe anywhere between 300 and 400 million dollars already, but the fact is he's winning endorsements from candidates all over the uh, uh, from from uh, public officials all over the country. And with the apparent decline of Joe Biden, he seems to be now the new guy who people say can best beat uh, Donald Trump. But Bernie Sanders supporters say, uh, you know, not so fast. Bernie Sanders has the most support in the polls. Bernie Sanders won the New Hampshire primary. He finished strong in Iowa. So what does Nevada look like for him? And how might Mike Bloomberg change what happens in Nevada? Well, Nevada is very interesting. I mean, if you look at the history of Nevada, it isn't that long. It only goes back to 2008. But both times, it was very, not only instrumental, but it got ugly and personal. In 2008, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote in the Nevada caucuses, but but Barack Obama won the most delegates. And so that led to recriminations and ugliness. In 2016, the same thing happened. Uh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, but was upset with the uh, with the way the rules were. And if you remember at the state convention in in Nevada, there was a lot of uh, chair throwing and anger and and ugly taunts uh, with with sexist comments made by supporters. So it got very ugly. So Nevada, you always talk about what happened in Iowa as being like, you know, so embarrassing for the party. What's happened in Nevada in recent caucuses has also been not so positive for the vote as well. So anyway, but the point is, here's why Nevada is, in, is instrumental and different from Iowa and New Hampshire. One, it's the only, it's the first state in the West. Two, it has a large amount of Uh, labor voters, which we didn't see in Iowa, New Hampshire. And most important, there are people of color, which you have not seen in Iowa, New Hampshire. 30 percent of the state is Latino, perhaps 10 percent is African-American. And this could theoretically help Joe Biden, but could also help Bernie Sanders, who seems to be leading among Latinos as well. Bernie Sanders is calling it a multiracial, multi-generational coalition. He likes that. Let's talk about Joe Biden and the Culinary Workers Union, because Biden was thought to be at the top in Nevada, and his not getting that endorsement, and in fact, Bernie Sanders not getting the endorsement, has been a, a news headline that's rippled across the country. 
Well, uh, on two on two fronts. First of all, when Bernie Sanders did not get the uh, culinary uh, culinary uh, uh, union endorsement, and some a member of the union said that uh, the Medicare for all thing is unworkable. He got, he, I think it was a he, he got barraged with, uh, with angry and threatening tweets and, and email messages and things like that, threatening about because, you know, they, they sold out to the establishment. So the Bernie Sanders supporters who can be very opinionated, shall we say, on social media have made, themselves, have made it clear that they're very angry that Sanders didn't get the endorsement. But it's more punishing for Joe Biden. Perhaps if he were the true frontrunner, as everybody was led to believe months ago before anybody voted, we would have thought that maybe Biden would have gotten that endorsement. And maybe in the past he would have. And it made a very critical endorsement of Barack Obama in 2008, right after Hillary Clinton won the New Hampshire primary. So that was significant. But the fact that Joe Biden finished fourth in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire seems to indicate, perhaps indica- indicates, that why why come on board with an endorsement if Biden's case is not as strong as once thought. Now, now there are some members of Congress who have endorsed uh, Biden. More and more African American supporters are coming on board. But for Biden to do well in New in, in Nevada. Which, which would I would think means first or second, because it's a state that he's been relying on. And also it's going to give him a week later is South Carolina. If he does poorly, if he did poorly in Iowa, New Hampshire, does worse than expected in Nevada, that would clobber his firewall in South Carolina. And we could be saying goodbye to Joe Biden. So Nevada is very critical for for the former vice president. You think Joe Biden might pull out before the convention that he wouldn't take the campaign all the way to the convention? Oh, oh, God, no, no, not if he, not if he's not winning anywhere. I mean, it's one thing to see Obama versus Hillary in two thousand eight, and and uh, uh, Hillary Clinton versus uh, Bernie Sanders in two thousand sixteen, because they were both winning and they were both picking up delegates. But if you're going to finish fourth in Iowa, fifth in New Hampshire, not do well in um, in Nevada, and then finish poor, not do his, not win in South Carolina, which was his firewall state. What's the argument for voting for Joe Biden in the Super Tuesday? His fundraising will dry up. Uh, uh, Michael Bloomberg is hoping to win over so many of Joe Biden's former supporters. uh, Michael Bloomberg is expected to do well on Super Tuesday because he has had those states to himself all this time because Bloomberg is bypassing the first four states. I I would be surprised if with I mean I, look I hate when pundits predict the end of candidates and the candidates show them wrong which I actually I like when candidates show them wrong, but Biden if he doesn't win anywhere it's it's hard to make the case that he that he goes beyond Super Tuesday he's got to win he's got to do well in Nevada got to win South Carolina if he doesn't his candidacy is in trouble. So where do Joe Biden supporters go then to Mike Bloomberg? Well, maybe. I mean, you know, we haven't mentioned Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, who are also trying to to come up, you know, as the 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 moderate establishment alternative. The fact is, is that we knew from the beginning that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren couldn't both uh, prosper because they were taking each other's votes. And it's turned out that either the argument that a woman can't win or that debate that where Bernie Sanders, when Elizabeth Warren said that Bernie Sanders told her that a woman can't win, something happened in that debate. Right. Somehow right. Bernie Sanders picked up in support, Elizabeth Warren fell, and Bernie Sanders became the progressive choice 
for president. And now you have at least four or five other candidates fighting for the middle. So Elizabeth Warren is going to be campaigning in California. She's targeting Latino communities and that kind of a forum. Um, She, I guess, could show a rebound somewhere. Uh, Doesn't sound like you think it's going to be Nevada. What happens to her in South Carolina or then on to Super Tuesday? Well, see, that's a great that's a great argument. I mean, if you think of the surprises of the first two states, You'd have to say Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar with a strong third in uh, in in, uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, Pete Buttigieg basically tied in Iowa, just a point and a half off in New Hampshire. But neither candidate has shown any. I mean, we don't know, but we don't. But according to the polls, and we'll we'll worry about the polls later. But they've got to pick up support from non-white voters, right, and that means right. Latinos and Hispanics in uh, Nevada, African Americans in South Carolina. If they don't, then the establishment's nightmare could very well come true. You could have a Bernie Sanders uh, nomination because he does well with black and, and, and Hispanic voters. Now, if Michael Bloomberg becomes the alternative. I don't know what to make of Michael Bloomberg. We'll see him in the debate tomorrow night. That'll be mm-hmm. interesting. There are more and more black supporters endorsing him, Michael Bloomberg, even though his past statements on stop and frisk are very controversial. It's a policy he pursued as mayor of New York City that predominantly affected uh, black, and, black and Latino citizens. So I don't know what to make of Bloomberg. I know he's Paying, spending a fortune, as I said, close to $400 million already. I think his ads against uh, uh, Trump are very effective, uh, and I see, and every, they're all over the country. Uh, and yet you see more and more progressive Democrats saying that, I mean, Bernie Sanders' press secretary called him an authoritarian racist. So the, 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 the infighting among the Democrats are getting worse and worse. And as we know, only one person could benefit, and that's that guy in the White House. Yeah, that guy in the White House is actually in Los Angeles today. He is going to be meeting with people about the 2028 Olympics, and there's a fundraising dinner with quite an expensive uh, ticket price, I understand. I'm talking with Ken Rudin, the political junkie. Is there room for a surprise in Nevada, Ken? Perhaps a Tom Steyer surprise? Well, you know something, Tom, now I was thinking that too, if money made the difference, I mean, for example, the fact is in the national polls, uh, Michael Bloomberg has jumped uh, jumped up to second in at least the, the Marist poll because of his spending. Tom Steyer has not jumped up in national polls at all. He's still in very low digits. And in fact, he won't be in the debate tomorrow night. But the fact also is, is that he's doing very well in Nevada. If there's a surprise, it could be Tom Steyer. He is spending very heavily in Nevada and South Carolina, states where Michael Bloomberg is not involved in, and he could do better than expected. But, I mean, this is, you know, what I like about this is the the topsy-turviness of it. There's no way to predict it because every prediction goes out the window. But at the same time, if you were at the same time, if you were a, a loyal Democrat who wanted a Democrat to win in November, the infighting is as ugly as I, as I've seen it in many many years. And again, <clears throat> if you have a, a, a disunited party, as you kind of had in 2016, when at least 25 percent of Bernie supporters did not vote for Hillary Clinton, uh, that could be trouble in November. 
So there's so much that's made ahead of election year about your position in the race and your position in your primary and your caucus. And some people say that Nevada has been treated as a stepchild. Just think how different Nevada might be looked at if it was coming after South Carolina, say, or whatever. The position and the type of battle that we have this year, is is every state a little more amplified right now because of this wide-ranging Democratic race? Oh, this is absolutely true. Look, look, Nevada is the story of the week, but of course, come Sunday, we will forget about Nevada and focus on South Carolina. That's the nature of the beast. And we, we have proven, it has been proven, that Nevada, just like the rest of the country, is affected by what happens in Iowa and New Hampshire. Those two states may not be representative of the country, but the fact is that Bernie Sanders finished a near tie, uh, basically a tie in, New ha- in Iowa and a slight lead in New Hampshire. That gave him national front-runner status. So Nevada voters know that. Nevada voters know that Joe Biden didn't do well. South Carolina voters know that Joe Biden hasn't done well. And so, I mean, if I were, if I were king of the forest, as they say in uh, The Wizard of Oz, I would take those four states and just rotate them every year and let, let every state be the, you know, the, the main leading-off state. But right now, Nevada is crucial. It will give us a signal, at least, of how some people of color are voting, which we didn't see so far. We will see a strong union presence, whether the culinary, culinary uh, uh, union endorses or not. You know their, their voters are very, uh, their caucus voters are very um, uh, influential in Nevada. And we'll just see what happens. But again, once Saturday comes and goes, unless there's controversy, as there has been in Nevada in the past, All eyes will be now on South Carolina and its strong African-American voters. All right. One last question, Ken. Let's look ahead to California. On March 3rd, these states vote in addition to California, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, the Democrats abroad, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. A poll is showing in Virginia right now, Bernie and Bloomberg tied at the top with 22 percent each. Which states are key on Super Tuesday in terms of their vote? Obviously, California. Oh, what else? Oh, there's no question that, uh, that California, Texas, and North Carolina, in that order, have the most delegates, are most crucial. And I think, you know, the fact that, that Bernie Sanders and Michael Bloomberg, you mentioned, are the top two in the, st- in the state of, in the state of uh, Virginia. Virginia. I think, but I think so. They're crucial on Super Tuesday too. One because only Michael Bloomberg has the wherewithal to run a campaign in 15 states and you know and possessions on the on the same day. And Bernie Sanders has a very very strong and loyal uh, group of supporters that will stick with him through thick and thin. And look again, I don't want to rule out the Klobuchar's and the Buttigieg's. I'm not, and uh, and uh, and certainly the Bidens. But right now, for those reasons. It could very well come on Super Tuesday, a battle between the progressive left led by Bernie Sanders and the establishment center led by Michael Bloomberg. But again, as you said, we've seen surprises before. We may see surprises again. All right. I'm sure you have said something in this conversation that I'm going to pull out and save <laughs> and end up replaying to you later on as things go at, on. So at my trial, at my trial. Right. <laughs> Thanks for being prophetic, wise or maybe totally off base. We'll see. <laughs> and listen to your Nevada voters. Make sure they come out and caucus on Saturday. Yes. Thank you so much, Ken. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Beth. 
That is Ken Rudin, the political junkie, and we're going to see him here in person for the March 3rd California primary. He'll be at Cap Radio and join our coverage of Super Tuesday. Up next, we'll talk more in depth about Nevada's caucus plans. NPR, by the way, will have special live coverage of the caucuses this Saturday, February 22nd. You'll hear it here on Cap Radio. If you want to hear the debate tomorrow night, You won't be able to hear it live on CAP Radio. You can find it on NBC, MSNBC, or Univision outlets. After a break, Nevada political reporter John Sadler. You're listening to Insight on your NPR station, CAP Radio. 